All right, welcome into the what is this? Our third episode of the Duck Territory podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel. We just wrapped up Oregon's eleventh fall camp practice um, of fall camp. We didn't do an instant reaction video just because we're going to talk about it here right. on, on the podcast. Uh, and, and quite honestly, we only got to see special teams, and they were half of that. They were stretching or doing other, you know, minimal things. So it wasn't really worth. Punt unit looks great, though. <laughs> That's right. Punt unit does look great. We're going to go over some things. Oregon scrimmaged uh, over the weekend. Uh, we'll go over that, what we heard from that. Um, we will also talk about red shirts. Now is the time of when guys are going to start you know, getting into that pecking order of do they play, do they not play. Uh, we'll go into the third week, kind of what's on tap this week for yeah. Oregon football. We'll recap what we know so far up until today. And then we're also going to dabble in some basketball news uh, for recruiting purposes. A five-star, uh, very important name, recently cut his list, and we'll kind of break that down as well. Um, but going back to Saturday's scrimmage, Willie Taggart talked on Monday and said that you know, it was a good scrimmage. They got a lot out of it. The biggest issue is that there were a lot of penalties, and it seemed like there were some turnovers that he wasn't too pleased with. And, and you have to realize that's kind of par for the course. I mean, this is this is the number one scrimmage mm-hmm. in fall camp. A lot of these guys who are participating are, are young guys, and about half the team almost right now are, are freshmen or right. guys who haven't played in the football field. Um, so you, you, they're going to be ups and downs. It's not going to run perfectly smooth. So that's to be expected. He did say he was happy with the way they responded to those situations. They thought that he bounced back pretty well, and it sounded like the defense held its own. Uh, one quick note: We are Facebook living this. We're trying out a new a new feature on Facebook where you can do audio only. So we're basically Facebook living our our podcast. So if you have questions and you're and you're listening on Facebook Live, go ahead and just drop them in. Um, or if you're not on Facebook right now, go ahead and go to in the future when we tweet these out. Go ahead and go to uh, Facebook.com/slash Oregon twenty four seven, and that will be able to get you on. Uh, our Facebook lives when we do these things. We'll tweet them out every once in a while um, when we when we go live so you can know when to get in. But that's a great way for you to drop your questions in into the podcast as well. Um, Eric's going to kind of monitor that, make sure we Yeah, we, we have keep... a question right now. Should we just take that? Let's sure. Look. From uh, Ty Turner, do you think the starting receivers will be Mitchell, Schooler, and Nelson? Uh, as of now, that looks like a pretty good list. Yeah, I would, I would think – Mitchell and Nelson are probably not guaranteed. Nelson's, you know, very close to being guaranteed. I think you can pencil him in. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mitchell's, you know, probably the next closest. I don't know about Schooler. I, I just, we've seen him do work in special teams. We've seen him, you know, a little bit of 11 on 11. We've talked to players. We've, we've talked to coaches. We've read Rob's practice reports. Right. Um, We've talked to people anonymously, and I just feel like I don't know if it's safe to say right now he's going to be the third starting receiver. It's it's such a difficult move, and look, I don't think Oregon's defensive backfield was – I mean, receiving core was so depleted that a receiver could come in mid-camp who hadn't played the position in two years, right. three years, and instantly become one of the team's best three receivers. I mean, we're forgetting about Malik Lovett. Malik Lovitz, yeah, that's, we're feeling about Alex Alfadelli. And and the thing is that's that's crazy. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. They, Oregon has ten scholarship receivers are using. One of them is Charles Nelson, who's played a lot. The other two, 
two of the other guys are guys that are pl- have caught a combined three passes, and then you have four true freshmen and three guys that have played other different positions. positions that are moving over. So there are a lot of there's definitely an opportunity for Schooler to jump okay. in. Whether or not he's the guy right now, uh, hard to tell. We don't get to see a ton. It sounds like he's doing well. Right. Wide outside wide receiver position is just it's completely wide it's open. Wide open. I mean, I it has to be. I mean, yeah, he has his chance. I, I would just I would think. He's probably going to play this year, and he's probably going to have a prominent role at receiver. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be a starter? Is he going to be a star? That's too early to call right now. Right. Um, going back to Saturday's scrimmage, though, defense kind of did what they needed to do. Now, the one thing I wish we, you know, we could have found out about was, you know, we do know it was ones versus twos. So Oregon's first team offense against. Their second team defense, Oregon's first team defense against their second team offense. I wish we could have, you know, we've seen the stats that Rob Mosley from GoDucks.com put up. You know, Herbert threw more touchdowns and incompletions. Yeah. I think it was four touchdowns, the three incompletions. He threw almost 300 yards. You know, I wish we could have seen, you know, those are impressive stats, but at the same time, I wish we could have seen, you know, or at least heard about how the first team defense went up against the first team offense. And I, I would have liked to have known exactly what the second team defense looked like. Right. Who's playing in that game? I mean, he's putting up video game numbers, but is that against guys that are even really going to be big factors for Oregon because of health concerns and and everything? You don't know exactly who's out there. But you do have to be encouraged by the defense. It sounded like doing well. Right. Um, and, and obviously, in, in these scrimmage situations, for the most part, the defense holds its own just because it's early in camp. The offense is a little more complicated to learn oftentimes. Right. Taggart did mention that um, today, on Monday, that the defense kind of did what they were supposed to do. I asked him, you know, the, sometimes in scrimmages you go in, especially the first one, mm-hmm. you find out your team is behind in the installation or, you know, they're playing at a higher clip at, you know, along the defensive line than expected. And I asked him, you know, did, did you ever, was there anything that came out of that scrimmage that you didn't know about this team or have an inkling about? And he said, not really. You know, the biggest thing is our defense did what they were supposed to do. And it sounds like the first team defense was just dominant against the second team offense, which, you know, which is as to be expected because, you know, one thing he, Taggart also was asked about was quarterbacks behind Justin Herbert. And one of the things he said was there's a lot of inexperience at that position, which is a big question mark. I mean, it's almost 2015-ish, you know, hope Vernon Adams doesn't get hurt because if he does, Oregon doesn't have anyone behind him. It's a lot, very similar situation in 2017 with Justin Herbert. It, well, it really is, and, and we've talked about this, I think, before fall camp, thinking that if Justin Herbert were to go down, how many games can Oregon realistically win without right. him? And my opinion that has not changed. I don't. I don't know if this offense would be good enough without him to win very many games. They do have terrific offensive line play and terrific running back depth. So obviously they can pound the ball. But if you have no, you know, passing game at all, then then that's kind of all for not. Let's take another Facebook question real quick um, from Tyler Waterman. Will Justin Herbert be our quarterback? Yes. <laughs> Moving down the list uh, from Braden Helms. How do you think we will do against? Other Pac-12 teams, do you think we could be a top three Pac-12 team? Um, I think you're going to be a top three Pac-12 team in the North. Yes, I, I think maybe that, that's. I think you could argue that it, that's tough sell. True. I mean, you get Washington State at home, you do get uh, California at home, and you do get Oregon State at home. You win those three games, right? You're in the top three. 
the Washington State game will be what hinges that whole thing, I think. Absolutely. That, that To me, that, that might be the biggest game on the schedule. If they are able to win that game, I think that puts them at 7-0 seven, seven if, they, if they take care of business against everybody else. 6-0. Six 6-0. And oh. six and oh. if, if they go undefeated before the Washington State game, they'll be 5-0. and oh. uh, They open against Southern Utah. Then they play Nebraska, go to um, Wyoming, and then they go back to, Cal, uh, to Arizona State. So that's their fourth game. And then they, they come home and play Cal, which is their fifth. Yeah. And then they go into the Washington State game, which theoretically, I think on paper, it's, it's, it's an easy argument to make that Oregon should be 5-0 and going into the Washington State game. If not 5-0, and probably 4-1. and And they win that one. They go into a Stanford game on the road, down on the farm, probably a, you know, a ranked team. I would think so. Probably in the top 20. Could be. And it could be one of the big, it could be, you know, it's not going to be the biggest game in the Pac-12, but it might be one of the bigger games in the Pac-12 for the 2017 season. So yeah, I think top three in the, in the North, certainly. Um, top three in the entire conference, that's going to be difficult because I don't think they're going to be better than Washington. I don't think they're going to be better than uh, Stanford. And I don't think they're going to be better than USC in 2017. Um, the gaps are going to be smaller from where they were last year, but that right there, you're you know you're fourth in the Pac-12. But fourth in the Pac-12 could mean nine and three, or it could mean eight and four, or it could even mean ten and two right. in the Pac-12. Um, shifting gears a little bit to what we wrote on the site DuckTerritory.com this past weekend, um, you did a good piece, kind of rehashing. Two weeks into fall camp, who redshirts, who doesn't, who's on the on the fence still, and I think this list of who's on the fence is getting whittled down because yeah. it was pretty big going into camp. It was pretty, you know. And I, I've actually I did two of these. I did one of these coming into camp, and I think the list was eight eight guys I thought were likely to redshirt, and seven guys I thought were on the fence. And I think I've now I think it's whittled down to about three guys I think are probably going to redshirt, and about six guys that are on the fence. I think Oregon's going to play a lot of guys in this class. Um, and Taggart himself said that last week. He did. You know, expect to see a lot of freshmen play. And and I think, you know, they're obviously, if you just want to, you can pull up the, the article on the site if you want to look at it. But kind of where I landed at was that there are, are a number of guys, especially offensively, that I think are going to have to play. And that number has grown. I, I was initially wasn't certain if they would play a freshman quarterback or not. Now I feel like they will. Will they not? I, I thought they'd probably redshirt all three running backs. Now I think they're going to play one. Do they have the luxury to redshirt a freshman receiver? I don't know. Uh, I thought for sure they would redshirt both freshman offensive linemen, Cody Sheer and Alex Forsyth. Now I'm thinking they might play one of them as backup center, at least get him some reps, or at least have him on the traveling squad. There's there's going to be a lot of freshmen playing this year, and I think that's definitely going to be a storyline we're tracking probably all the way through the season, kind of watching who's playing, how many guys play. I think there's a chance they play upwards of – 17, 18 freshmen this year. I mean, it, it, it's going to be a group where I think you look at the positions across the way. It's almost out of necessity, not because that these guys are so good and that they're, they're, you know, in 2014 or in 2012, you know, we saw a guy like Tyrell Crosby in 2014. I don't think anyone was really expecting Crosby when he signed. He was a three star offensive tackle out of Nevada. I don't think anyone looked at him in February and said, yeah, Jake Fisher's coming back, John Stone's coming back, Andre Wise's coming back, Ross Sue's coming back, Stevens right. is coming back. 
Tyrell Crosby is going to play, though, as a true freshman. He pushed his way through the first, through the second team into the first team depth chart yeah. in 2014 because he was so good. I think that's going to be the opposite this season for Oregon in 2017 in that you know, there are going to be a lot of freshmen who they are capable of playing, they're capable of having a role on this football team as true freshmen, but it probably would be better served for them to redshirt but Oregon doesn't have that luxury right. because they're, they're the depth play of necessity. Yeah, because the depth is so bad, especially at positions like you said, receiver. I mean, I I, I feel like you know between Daywood Davis and Dimitri Birch and J- Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red, J- uh, Red, Darian McNeil. Darian McNeil. No, that's five guys right there. I, I feel like two of them are probably going to redshirt because they need to be able to space the class a little bit. And if you know, you look at the guys I named. McNeil, Jalen Red, and and you know those guys. Two of them are very similar to guys that are already already on this roster that are pretty talented. And a guy like Charles Nelson, you know, a, a scat back, you know, Tosh Griffin, Tosh Griffin slot guys. You know, there's so there's not a huge need to play those. I think two of those guys are going to redshirt out of the five, and, that, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of them is maybe Jalen Red redshirts. You know, surprisingly because. He wasn't here in spring ball, and Darian McNeil has seemed like he's kind of locked a position in at, as a returner. But then again, you don't want you need depth at that position. So maybe Jalen Red I, still finds his way. I, 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 I would be surprised if Red Red shirted, but that we haven't got to watch a lot of the receivers. Right. Both, both by the way, both McNeil and Red have been spending a lot of time taking reps. I think McNeil, returners. you know, from what we've been able to watch. Of, we get to watch a lot of special teams. We do. That's the way it works. <laughs> and from what we saw on spring ball, from what we saw the first week of camp when we saw a lot of 11 on 11, and now what we've seen the last weekend and one day, I think Manil's the primary returner on punts and probably going to be the primary returner on kickoffs. Yeah. And everything we've heard from people on the record and off about McNeil is that he is really talented. He's a guy that that has been a big one of the surprises of this team. Well, when, when, I, when I wrote a feature on him this spring, his high school coach at Armwood and Armwood, obviously a really really good high school program, right. and has two commitments in this class, both four stars and Warren Thompson and Malcolm Lamar from that same high school. His high school coach said, "Look, he's the best player I've ever coached." And, really? And, yeah, and that that says a lot. They had Byron Coward a couple of years ago, so McNeil. It sounds like people thought he was the real deal coming in. He was a little bit underrated in terms of the recruiting rankings, but I, I think he's a guy that has the potential to come in and really help this team, especially in the return game from uh, from day one. Uh, do we have any other questions on Facebook Live? My phone just might have just crashed or something. Well, that's not good. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll we'll shift down the line and again we'll you know we're doing Facebook Lives as a trial. That's why we try this out. We don't know if it's going to work every time, all the time. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, in the, in the future, we are going to try and Facebook live our, our, comp, our podcast. So if you get our links on Twitter, we tweet them out before a couple minutes before uh, a couple times we, we get in and start recording. Um, you can go on to facebook.com slash Oregon 24 seven. That'll take you to our Facebook page and you can hop onto the podcast when we're doing this live and you can jump in with questions and what have you. Um, Moving down the line, third week of fall camp. This is going to be all about Oregon putting together situational, 
items you could you could say for Oregon for for the 2017 season. That's what Tiger said this week is about. The first two weeks, week one was install. The second week, they went back, started over again with the same practice plan, same you know strategies, same you know what they were trying to accomplish to see how much the team improved from a week of install and doing it again. Now going into the third week, Willie Tiger said this is going to be a lot of situational stuff, working on the team to understand why they're doing things, understand how they're going to handle certain situations. And it's starting to sound like they're getting ready to start game planning yeah. for the, for their first game or their first couple of games, getting themselves ready for the season now because installation is about, it's about the time when installation this, goes away. This is about the time where you got to start getting ready. And this is that kind of, by the way, Facebook Live appears to be back up. So if you have questions, please ask um, down here below. Um, but this is about the time of camp where it gets a little hairy because the kind of in between the excitement of camp starting and you're still a little bit away from the season. So if you can kind of put that carrot out in front and say, hey, we're starting to work towards game one against Southern Utah. Uh, that only you know benefits you in terms of how quickly your your team is ready to to roll. Yeah, and I, I think the the practice schedule this week is a little different. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm I kind of wonder if it's because of the eclipse. Uh, if you're <laughs> for some reason you're unaware, um, Eugene is I think at like what ninety five percent visibility for this very rare eclipse that's going to happen on Monday. And then there's, you know, parts really close to Eugene where it's 100%. Uh, and this area is, we're expecting here in Eugene, thousands of people. Yes. Um, traffic is going to be crazy. I'm sure at practice is going to be strange with the, with the, the visible um, aspect of it, the visibility aspect of the eclipse. And so who knows if that's the reason why they're moving practice around. But traditionally this week, so far in camp, they've had closed practice on Saturdays. Uh, they didn't practice on Sundays, and they sometimes they haven't practiced on Mondays as well. well. This time around, they've shut practice down on Saturday and Friday, and then they have a night practice Sunday evening. And that one's actually open to the boosters and season ticket holders of the football team. And, and so if you're a football season ticket holder, you actually get to go and watch the entire practice uh, Sunday evening. Um, other items of note. Uh, real quick before we shift over to some basketball news, your biggest storyline, you know, we found out from two thousand from the first couple of weeks of, of fall camp. Biggest storyline, I think. I think something that really sticks out in my brain is the fact that I think this team offensively is really going to rely on the run game. Um, Tiger said that today as well. And and it's there's no, I mean, and, and we've talked about the receiver depth. It's not great. The tight end depth, which we haven't talked about, not great. Quarterback depth is not great. So it makes sense when you have a wealth of running back options and they've got. Three veteran guys that have, are, are very, you know, have experience, have played well in the past, and then an offensive line that I had an offensive lineman tell me today they think they have eight really, really good offensive linemen, and they're hoping to get two more to develop and kind of fill out that. They want to go too deep at all the times, basically. It makes sense you've run the ball a lot, but I, I get the sense that this is going to be much more of a run-heavy offense than maybe we've seen from Oregon for a while. Um, you bring in a coach like Mario Cristobal to teach a line to just pound people, and both Jake Hansen and Calvin Throckmorton, who I spoke to today, and there will be a story up on the website later, just talked about the mentality they've got and how it's a little bit different and how they just want to go maul people, get to the second level, and create holes. And, and I think that kind of ties in with what Taggart and a couple people told us last week, which is that they may go three running backs. Yeah. 
And, and that's different. You know, you don't see that, frankly, at a lot of colleges, and you certainly haven't seen that from Oregon in a while. You've seen some two running back thing, but usually that second running back's been kind of a taser thing. I think right. we're going to see some, like, full house backfields. I even asked some of the linemen today if they could see, you know, see a situation where they played a sixth lineman, and they said, we might see some heavy formations. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's Oregon getting creative with what they have. Right. You've got to find ways, you know, your best players this season – are at running back and are on the offensive line. And if, if you need to, you need to figure out ways to exploit that as, in as many ways as possible. And that's, you know, that's the beauty of football. Sometimes, you know, you can, you can have a spread offense, but you can be a power run team. And that's what Oregon uh, has done in the past. I, I go back to 2008, um, 2009, you know, they weren't really this go crazy passing football team that we've come to see the last three or four years at Oregon. Uh, in those early years under Chip Kelly, you know they were very heavily pro, you know, run dominant team, and yes. you know they'd complete twenty passes a game. And sometimes now Oregon throws twenty passes and a half. Yeah. Um, real quick, we posted some notes um, on Inside Read this morning for some for some football perspective stuff. Um, one of those things is Oregon is filling up. They've got twenty two verbal commitments. And that means now some of their key targets are starting to go elsewhere because there's no more room at the end, per se, for, for Oregon. And some of those guys are some talented players. Four-star offensive lineman Will Craig and three-star offensive lineman Brandon Mello, two guys who had Oregon probably in their top two or three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oregon has filled up along the offensive line. Those two guys have now have gone and committed to California. Uh, MJ Ale, another offensive lineman that was either had Oregon number one or number two, he lost his spot. He committed to the Washington Huskies. Uh, we've seen a you know, quarterback guy, Jordan McLeod, commit to USF. Isaiah Smalls, a tight end prospect. Oregon landed one um, at Saturday Night Live. And Tegan Quinterino, which gave them two. Smalls, you know, shortly after that, committed to Oregon State. He had an Oregon offer. Mm-hmm. And then two defensive backs. I think Oregon probably said, we can't take your commitment right now. So they decided to commit elsewhere. Dominic Campton. Uh, went to Washington. Mackenzie Barnes went to Arizona. Um, those are all commitments that have happened in the last week or so. Uh, and it's a sign how good Oregon is recruiting because some of those guys two, two months ago were, were thought of these are the Oregon's top targets. And it's an impressive, it, it's, it's worth tracking because what happens if uh, Stephen Jones decides to flip? Who does Oregon go to? Well, they just lost. You know, some of the really key secondary, second tier guys that they were really in, in good position to land. You know, you always have to have backup plans. And, and so now it's going to be curious to see who does Oregon go after or interact a little bit just in case. Cause you got to keep some irons in the fire just in case a, a flip happens and you lose somebody because you need another lineman. And the, some of those guys are, I mean, MJ Ale and Will Craig are really good. They're, yeah, they're, Ale, Craig was in the, at the opening. Yeah. You know, one and of the top of the line. These are, these are really good linemen that are going elsewhere. You do wonder, and, and obviously we, we're not, this is all speculative. We don't, we're not saying that one of these guys is going to decommit. Right. From our, to our knowledge, every commitment right now is, 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 is pretty strong. Um, but you do wonder what happens if, say, they, Miss on a couple of more guys at certain positions. How do what do they do if they miss on a bunch of these receivers? That it was so funny because a month and a half ago it felt like Oregon had these three receivers up to the opening, and now you're kind of wondering: Are they going to get any of them? Any of them? I mean, and Devin Williams, we haven't really followed up with a lot, but Isaiah Crocker, it sounds like Oregon State making some ground there, and Chase Cody, you're kind of hearing rumblings that he might not 
follow suit with his dad and go to Oregon. He might go somewhere in Southern California or, or somewhere east. So it, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens at some of these positions and kind of what 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 Oregon does if they have to pivot, you know, around to pivoting. Pivoting. You got it. You pivoting. You're pulling up a basketball. Recruit profile right now, aren't you, Matt? Yes. Uh, getting ready to, you know, we can discuss this now. Um, five-star power forward, Simi Chateau out of Canada. Um, he played his prep ball at Vermont Academy uh, his first two seasons, the first three years of high school basketball, but he's now moved back home. I think he's going to Orangeville Prep or Athlete Institute, one of the two. They're both out of um, Toronto mm-hmm. area. Yeah. Um, they're the two most prominent high schools uh, in the state of Canada, um, that are, you know, Fawn Maker, Mature Maker, Jamal Murray, they all played at Athlete Institute. Um, there's a long line of guys from Canada that have played at these schools and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of their Finley prep. Right. If you're familiar with, or if, if you're familiar with high school basketball recruiting in the, in the country of the United States, um, Finley Prep is you know, Oak Hill Academy. That's another one that people might know about. You know, that's their version of that school. And Chateau came out and announced the top ten this weekend. Um, it would be it would have been a big surprise if Oregon did make the cut, but they did. Um, they were one of the ten schools. I still am told he's trying to decide seventeen or eighteen recruiting class, meaning he's trying to decide the next couple of weeks. Do I want to graduate high school? Because he can. And do I want to enroll, say, at Oregon in time to take part in summer, in time to start practice and play with this, and play team. With this year's yeah. team? Or does he wait a year and get better, you know, development skills at the high school level, which could be argued isn't going to be the same at a college school and, and sign in November or October or February, March, whenever and be part of the team in 2018? Either way, it's big news for this basketball program, and they have a lot to offer them in terms of getting them on the court. I mean, if, if they can speculate, if Shih Tzu were to enroll and play with this year's team, he would be a major difference maker. I think the one thing Oregon is lacking are, are some big guys that can protect the rim and rebound the basketball. And that's what he, he does. He certainly does that well. Uh, one quick Facebook question. If you guys have more questions, go ahead and send them now because we're going to wrap up pretty quick here. Uh, Caleb Upchurch asks, are you guys confident in the linebacking core? Uh, I'm confident in Troy Dye. Confident in Troy Dye. I think they've got some good athletes that they can put out there on the outside. The inside spot is still, to me, the big question mark, the one next to Troy Dye. You know, you, it'll be interesting to see how, how they fill that and what kind of, I guess, vehicle they go with to, do they go with the veteran guy? Do they go with the younger guy? Do they go with a Hodgkins who's got a lot of experience inside, or do they bring over a guy who was previously playing on the outside and, and make him play inside? That's going to be, I think that that position right there could be really crucial in terms of how much this, how I guess how good this defense is and, and what kind of steps they take. I think we'll see one of the freshmen, if not both, of the inside linebacker freshmen play. Yeah, I do too. I I, I think it's very safe to say they both, you know, one of them plays, uh, whether that be a special teams role. Or, you know, secondary, you know, second string inside linebacker role, third string or, you know, what passing situations, what have you. I, I think one of them plays. I think there's a chance both of them play out of necessity. And if they have to redshirt, fair or not, that's to me a little bit of a red flag because there is no depth no. at inside linebacker. And if they can't cut it now against 
no offense to the guys above them, you know, average players, you know, their rankings fair because Samson knew was a U.S. Army All American. Right. I, you know, that alone tells me he should play right away because when you when you factor in his talent, his skill, his position, and you factor in the returning talent coming back from Oregon, it it should mesh. It should just do should play. One of them, one of them should play in 2017. And I guess just to wrap up the answer to this question, am I confident in the linebacker core? I would say I'm least confident about the linebacker core of any of the major defensive possession groups. I feel, I think, I think the secondary is where I'm probably most confident, even though they haven't been good there in the past. And I think I like what I've seen out of the defensive line. I, I think Scott's been a shot in the arm. I think Austin Fayaliu has been a shot in the arm. And Scott Pagano, once he gets out of the boot and is ready to play, Will be a shot in the arm, and I think that that defensive line should be a lot better. I, I I would say my lack of confidence in the linebackers is because of the unknown. We right. just there's just so much unknown about this group. Is it Jimmy Swain inside? Is it AJ Hodgkins inside? Is it Kamano Apalu inside? A walk on line, junior linebacker who's a ounce above two hundred pounds. He's played with the ones more than just about anybody. So right. And so, you know, your biggest question is you've, you've got a superstar in Troy Dye. But after that, it's the abyss. It's the unknown. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't know. You know, there's so many variables that are at that position. It's, it's really difficult to have a strong take one way or the other of how strong they're going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I would say, no, I'm not confident. I mean, just to wrap up that question. So that'll do it for us here on the uh, Duck Terry podcast. Uh, we'll be back on the site later today with stuff, and then uh, we'll get we'll get more uh, information up on the site. Until then, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Right. Thanks, guys.